I giggle. I watch Facebook and Twitter all day and I see all of the posts and all of the ego stuff and I just qualify. I'm like, good. You have no idea how many times I'm desperate to go. Now figure out how to fucking use it. Like now figure out how to get somebody into your practice because it will not come by just going, I now know how to do dry needling. This is the Paul Goff audio experience. Whether you call yourself a PT, a physical therapist, or a physiotherapist, and wherever you are listening to this right now, this is for you. It is me revealing everything I can to help make you a more successful business owner. Thanks for listening. It means the absolute world to me. Hello, podcast listeners. It is Jake, your content editor and producer here, and I'm excited to bring you this episode of the Paul Goff audio experience on this amazing Monday. I hope you had an amazing weekend. Today, I decided to go as deep as possible into the archives and pull out a live talk Paul had in 2017 while at SSPT Live. He covered a couple different topics that I think everyone can still relate to, even though it is three years later, these principles still reign true. Paul covers the fundamentals of communication, why you don't need every certification to be a great PT, uh, Paul's personal marketing strategy, stopping price shopping and why people actually will pay your rates in your town you just need to be able to communicate the value and paul finishes with the four questions you have to answer to make your marketing a success hope you enjoy this episode also if you enjoy this podcast we are still doing our giveaway for paul's big event in 2020 we are having two events that we're giving tickets away to and possibly a third here in orlando the first one is new orleans it's happening in just a few weeks on march 7th and 8th Event number two is in July. It is in Los Angeles, California. And our third and final event we could possibly be giving tickets out to is here in Orlando, Florida in November. So if you want to join the giveaway, we've talked about it every single day on the podcast. We're giving these tickets away on Friday. If you want to join the giveaway, I need you to do one thing specifically. Leave this podcast a review on whichever platform you're listening on, whether it's Spotify, Anchor, Apple Music, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, whichever platform you're on, leave me a review, how you like this podcast, how it's helped you. Take a screenshot and email it to either myself, jake at paulgoff.com, or to the whole team at paul at paulgoff.com, and we'll make sure your vote is counted, your entry is counted. You can also have some additional entries put in as well. We now, over the weekend, we have had, uh, I think, another five entries, so we're up to 20, 25 entries now. And if you've read one of Paul's best-selling books for physical therapists, either on marketing, sales, or hiring, you're in luck as well because all you need to do then is head to Amazon.com and find the book you purchased and leave a review there as well. Each one of these counts as an additional entry to the giveaway, Paul's big giveaway for 2020. And just again, send a screenshot over to myself, jake at paulgoff.com, or to the whole team, paul at paulgoff.com, and we'll be able to take care of you. If you do all four of those, if you read all three books and you leave a review for the podcast, we'll give you five total entries. Again, you don't want to miss out on this. This is a once-in-a-lifetime experience to get two tickets valued at $899. All right, that's all I have for you today. I really hope you enjoy this throwback of Paul back in 2017, live from stage. Enjoy. This guy is just beyond amazing. I think you guys know his story. I'll let him tell the story. But can I tell you personally what, like, why I'm such a Paul Goff fan? Paul 
made a decision. He made a decision early on in his career as a cash-based therapist that he wanted more and he, he had to have a little vision, okay? But the things that he needed to do to get to what he wanted weren't where he was. So Paul, Paul will tell you this story. He invested over $100,000 over the course of about, what, two, three years? Two years. It was flying across the pond, y'all. This ain't, this, this, I mean, this ain't like Cali to, like, UK, over, by himself, in hotels, learning these things that you're learning this weekend. And he did it. And he did it. And Paul has um, been a massive trendsetter in the industry. Uh, I am so grateful to have him here, but really I'm more grateful to call him my friend. Um, so should we tell him? Okay, so, so I, all right, so let me just, I'm just going to tell him. All right, so... <laughs> we're, we're at the pool at my place, and Paul comes, Paul just, he thinks-ish all the time, just thinks stuff. So he's like, okay, well, I think we need to do a life swap. So, so this is what we're going to do, <laughs> okay? So what we're going to do is I'm taking my family, well, we're thinking of this, I'm taking my family to the UK. He's bringing his family here, and we're going to switch businesses. <laughs> you gotta get it though boy you gotta get it like me baby you gotta get it <laughs> I don't know y'all so I'm I'm actually trying to talk to Netflix and see if we can make this happen anyways without further ado Paul Goff thanks bud appreciate it thank you thank you All right, thank you, thank you for having me, and Greg, thank you for that. It's um, as I've been on this journey, that that song actually is um, is is quite fun. That's what I call my airplane song, and literally the traveling that I do, um, it came on. I, I've always had it on iTunes, and I think it came on once when I was traveling from London to LA, and I, I'd never really listened to it. You know, you kind of hear stuff, but you don't really listen to it. And as I listened to the, um, to the words and the places, and I was kind of like, this sums up my life, the amount of traveling that I do. So that, that song means a lot to me as I um, inevitably go on the journey that I've been on and the places that I've, um, that I've been and lucky enough to, to go over the last few years and meet people like Greg and Aaron and Jared and Jerry and you, know, you guys, it's just incredible. And for people to kind of know who my kids are, that's pretty, you know, pretty powerful for me to... Um, to to see you know last night as I stand at the bar and and people are more interested in Harry and Tobias and um, how their journey is than than me and that's that's pretty it's pretty neat so um, thank you for um, for having me and listening and and you know for everything in the in the words that people say so it's it's good to be here so um, with regards to the you know the kind of the traveling and stuff and, and Greg's right. I did, I just kind of took it and I, I just thought, screw this, this is like, there's a better way to live than this shit that I'm living with in, in the UK and, and kind of how private practices were expected to be built back there. So I did, I just jumped on a flight, Natalie will tell you, um, four weeks after Harry was born, it, he literally was four weeks old and I jumped on my first flight to a conference in Chicago. And what happened next was probably every month I was on a flight to New Orleans or LA or 
Texas or whatever it would be. And I was leaving on a Wednesday, doing a conference Thursday, Friday, and back to Britain on a Saturday. And this was going on for, for two or three years. So I, I did invest a hell of a lot of money to learn um, what I've learned. And hopefully that kind of gives me a little bit of a, um, I don't say the authority to stand here, but I promise you that everything I teach you isn't theory. It's not stuff that I've made up. It's stuff that I've learned. And I've kind of paid my own time and my own money, more importantly, my own time. Um, over the last few years to, to kind of bring it to you. I've certainly spent a lot of time on airplanes. I've spent a lot of time in immigration. It takes me longer to get through fucking immigration than it does from Seattle to Orlando, I promise you. It's, it's, um, it's not the 10-hour flight that's the issue. It's actually the three and a half hours through bloody Orlando Customs that's the... Uh, and LA is about four. I could tell you what they're all like. It's actually easy for me to fly into San Diego and get a train to LA than flying into LA. Like, I can get through San Diego immigration quicker, jump on the coaster and get up to LA, and it would be quicker than flying into LA. So I kind of know every single airport and, and whether or not and how long it's going to take me to get, um, to get through. So, so yeah, it's been, a pretty, it's been a pretty cool journey, and to meet people is, um, is the cherry on top, the, the gravy on top is, is most definitely. So tell me about you. So who business owners? Who have, we got? who have we got in the room? How many current business owners? Good. How many um, aspiring? Good. How many currently working for a hospital system? Good. So what's the goal of this weekend? I think as people come to these types of events, it's important for you to get very clear on what, on what you want from it because you're going to get a lot of ideas and you're going to get a lot of things thrown at you. When I go to these events, I'm looking for one thing and I'm, I'm writing it down on my piece of paper and when I find it, that's it. I'm gone. I'm done. I'm checking out. I, I kind of joke when I do my own events that my goal is to clear the room by the afternoon. In that once I give you the thing that you needed, get the hell out. Like, go home. I'm serious. And, and it's, you think I'm joking? And, you know, I, I'm not. When you've got the thing that you need, more, volu more volume and more ideas is probably not the thing that you're, um, that you, you're gonna need. You know, there's a hell of a lot of those things out there. So my idea for you, or my tip for you guys is as you listen, or as you enter every single room each day, it's what's the one thing, what's the biggest problem in my life right now? And when your brain starts to think like that, you'll start to all of a sudden hear what I talk to you about completely different. Somebody asked me yesterday about a book that I was reading, and it's <laughs> we were on a jet ski. We were on a jet ski yesterday, and random uh, conversation, but he said, what's the book you're reading? You know, could you recommend it? I said, well, what problem have you got in your life? Because I see everybody on, on Facebook and on Twitter basically saying, hey, anybody got any good books to read? And everybody's given an abundance of books. My question is, what's your problem? Because when I know your problem, I can recommend a book to solve the problem. And that's how we'll get to where we want to be faster with thinking like that. So as we go through the day and we go through the talk, start to, to write down literally right now, what's the one thing that you want to get from it? And you will hear it. I promise you, you will hear it. So um, I'll give you an introduction to me uh, if you don't know my story. So I'm a published author, The Healthy Habit Book. I started life as a professional soccer PT. That's kind of what I did. I came straight out of school, um, somehow found my way into professional soccer, which was the sport that I loved. So it was just a dream job and amazing for me to be around. Quit after five years. I was way too entrepreneurial and knew that it wasn't going to be 
um, something that I could stick at and be told what to do and, you know, kind of when to arrive and when to get on a bus, etc. So I left very, uh, I left after five years and I started um, my first baby, which was the Polgoff Physio Rooms. We're now um, 18 staff and 2,000 visits in a country with a completely free healthcare system. So socialist medicine, there's a lot of talk about it. And, you know, through the election, I kept hearing a lot around where medicine in, in this country was heading. So we are socialist medicine, which pretty much means that um, if you don't know what, what that looks like, you guys, you know, Aaron spoke about his $1,500 and it went to Anthem or it went to Aetna or whoever. We give our equivalent to the government and they screw it up. So you give it to them. We just don't have a choice, okay? You have the choice of who it's going to. So with all the talk of a free system, nothing's free, nothing's ever free. Somebody's always paying for it. We just don't have the choice as to where that money's gonna go. So the country, um, if you went over to the UK right now and you hurt your back or you hurt your knee, you would pretty quickly and pretty easily be able to get in for physical therapy. Anybody, I could walk, you know, when I go back home in two weeks, I could ring my doctor, get a referral for PT and be in and seen for free. So building a business in a private sector is, is pretty tough like because the, it's just I've already paid for it. It's the same thing. You know, I've already paid for it and there's a lot of people in this room are talking about outer network and cash. It's the same challenges. It's the same problems and the same challenges. So hopefully I've got some stuff to share with you today that will help you. So there's my book. That's my clinic or one of them. I've got four that look like that and that's obviously me and my LE. Uh, M-I-L-E-S. I won an award quite recently for uh, a company called Infusionsoft which basically looked at my systems that I was using to build my business and how I connected their software with uh, helping people make decisions. And that's kind of really the you know underlying everything that I teach is around if you can help somebody make a decision, you will win. And if you continue or if you obsess over you and your qualifications and your thing, you lose. That's it. It's that simple. Most chronic pain exists quite simply because somebody couldn't make a decision way back when. There will be people in the world who are ridiculously more qualified and more uh, knowledgeable than I am who have produced an unbelievable amount of white papers on why chronic pain exists. I can tell you now, it exists because somebody couldn't make a decision. When they were told to do something by a doctor, they could not do it. So ultimately, my, um, my systems connected people to, to that. Um, anybody heard my podcast? So it's on iTunes, Physical Therapy Business School podcast. I share a lot, pretty much everything that's you know, kind of happening and, and going on in my life. So let's get started. Um, this, anybody know who Frank Bruno is in this room? Yeah? All right, Frank Bruno was uh, a hero of mine as I, as I grew up. He's a boxer from Britain. And I had the pleasure of meeting him about three weeks ago at an event in London that I was at, uh, a marketing event that I was at. And he was the speaker and um, on the... On the night, we got to do a kind of meet and greet and a dinner with him, and we got to listen to his story. Um, and one of the questions that got asked to, my, to, to Frank Bruno, he was like uh, late 80s, early 90s. Mike Tyson was your equivalent. Frank Bruno was, was my equivalent, that, that kind of era. And somebody said, uh, or the, the guy who was interviewing him said, how do you step into the ring with Mike Tyson? Like, what? what is needed, like what has to happen for you to be able to get into a ring with a guy who bites people's ears off. And he just wants to, like, he just wants to knock you out as fast as possible. And Frank came up with a, a great phrase, as you can see on the board there, and, it, and it's look beyond the fear. And I thought that was, um, 
very important for us as business owners and also where I want to take it is for you to understand it from your patient's point of view. So I like to start with everything or every talk that I do, I like to start with something relevant that's happened to me and then see if I can, almost as a challenge, kind of bring it back to you guys and to make it relevant. So fear, almost every decision that you will make, um, you are loaded with fear. You're almost biased towards it. It's how we've survived as humans. It's how we've got to where we are today. You are naturally loaded to look for um, negativity, for bias towards fearful situations, period, in everything. And it does not change when you become a business owner. It does not change when you have back pain. It does not change when you have knee pain. It does not change when you have patella tendonitis or whatever else it is that, that you might have. Now, one of the problems that I see, um, and it's nice to have such a mix of people in the room here, and already one or two of the questions that I heard get asked earlier, kind of back up what I'm about to say is that you and I, um, until I kind of stepped out of it and started to research it, we've been indoctrinated, indoctrinated in, a, in a system that does not factor in that this bias, this fear bias, this negativity bias is removed by a human being, by one person. Any idea who it is? Any idea? So your patients, okay? I'm gonna put it into the context of your patients. Your patients live with a, a fear bias, a negativity bias in their decision making. So when Frank Bruno has to step into the ring with Mike Tyson, he had to look beyond the fear. He's a freak. Not many people can do that. That's why he became whoever he became in Britain in the 80s and the 90s. So your patients, their fear gets removed by who? Does it? Does it? In the traditional system, in the traditional system that you've all built, or certainly the experienced business owners in this room, and certainly where I'm going with it, where you students and you early, you early fledgling business owners, you've been schooled by a system that is preparing you to build a business or already building a business around patients who come to you from who? Doctors. So if you look at that and you start to really let that sink in, the model that you've built your business in, and I don't think this is ever explained to people and it really isn't understood the difference. A doctor does one thing, or he does two things. He helps somebody make a decision and he strips away the fear of the decision. Because ultimately the person who goes to see the doctor couldn't make a decision. When all of your frustration or when all of your confusion or when all of the dissonance builds, wouldn't it be lovely just to have somebody to take it away from you right now? You've all got decisions to make today, whether it's financial, whether it's relationship, whether it's business, whether it's travel. And I bet everybody in this room will have been agonizing over those decisions for weeks, months, and years, potentially. A patient is able to go and alleviate themselves to mitigate themselves away from the, um, that decision by going to a doctor. Where I'm going with this is that that's possibly, in the, not in the past, I'm not going to say it's completely gone, but what I'm saying to you now is you're seeing an emergence of people who are building businesses where we are wanting people to come to see us independent of doctors. Yes or no? You have to factor this in. The doctor stripped them away of having to make a decision. So 
if I had tooth pain, so let's take it into Harry's world, okay? Harry's got tooth pain. There's my other baby screaming. Um, it's probably his teeth, actually. Let's say Harry, um, you know, every six months, Natalie takes him to the, to the dentist. And that goes on every six months of his life till he's 25. And then all of a sudden, Harry gets tooth pain. What does he do? He goes to the dentist. Did he make any decision when it came to calling the dentist? Did he make any conscious decision? Yes or no? Zero. It was a habit that was inbuilt in him from six months, from 12 months, from 18 months. So he cannot get that decision wrong. So there's no fear, there's no doubt, there's no I can get this decision wrong with going to see a dentist because it was a habit that was built into him by who? His mom. So when tooth pain strikes, none of this is going on in your brain, it's at such a subconscious level that you know the right thing to do is to call the dentist. Therefore you can't get the decision wrong, which kind of alleviates or takes you past this, you see beyond the fear. Because the way that you came to the conclusion of to call the dentist, yeah, the tooth pain was the external, but the reason for calling was because your mother told you to do it, and she put a habit in you, early doors, from six months old, then again at one, then again at 18 months, that pretty much said, when this happens, do this. Cannot get it wrong. How many of your patients were taken to a physical therapy clinic every six months? None. So all of these things, as you grow your company and as you grow your business and you want to step out of doctor referrals, these are the things that you will have to factor in. You will inherit creatures, and I use the word me, you know, whatever, you will inherit creatures, human beings, who are loaded with doubt and with fear. And it's there, it's just the way that they wake up. So for you to be successful in business, you have to see it from that point of view. You cannot see it from the old school model. If you do, it will be painful as hell. And I'm seeing it at first hand with businesses that I work with all over the country and all over the world. They are not factoring in that this person is coming to you completely different. If you want them through your marketing, if you want them through Google, you want them through Facebook, you want them through Instagram, they will arrive a completely different patient because they are still, they are still loaded with fear. So as we go through the talk, I'll talk to you a little bit about how we, at my clinic, we overcome that. In a business environment, in a business situation, the reason how many people here today, 80 people here today, that's good. But why is there not 1,080 people here today? When you learn something new, it challenges who you are. And again, these are the things that are important for you to understand with patients. With, um, with business owners, You've been schooled to, um, to believe that it is all about the logic and that with five years of school comes the relentless focus on getting a better outcome, a VAS score, a range of movement, uh, an outcome that needs to go into an EMR. And when somebody like me comes along and says, hey, it's actually all about emotion, and it's the ability for you to connect, and the ability for you to be vulnerable and you know, have human-to-human -human conversations, I take you from a place where you've spent five years being very comfortable, and I'm taking you over to a place where now you maybe not as comfortable. So 
it's so much easier for you to resist me than it is to embrace me. And it is, again, the reason why a lot of business owners um, do shy away from these types of events, or they do shy away from new things, because the way that they were, uh, the, the way that they were schooled, it would absolutely defy everything. So you spend 200 grand or whatever on going to PT school to learn all that logic, and then some guy gets on a flight and comes across here and says, well, load of shit, pretty much everything that they've taught you. And it is, if you want to run a successful business, because they've conditioned you and focused you on something that is not going to give you or isn't the skill set or isn't the mindset or isn't the outlook that you're going to need to have in order to be able to grow a business. The same thing exists with patients. So patients, when you're asking them to do something new, it challenges who they are. My ideal patients in their 50s, a lot of my ideal patients have lived with chronic, patient, chronic pain for quite some time. They now have a label. A label gives them an identity. And if I come along and start to say, hey, you know, we can make this life of yours a little bit easier and a little bit better and more enjoyable and more comfortable, you sit there rationally and logically and you think, well, who wouldn't want that? I sit there and think, this lady has an identity and a label that she's probably had for two or three years, and it's right now the topic of conversation. It's probably the sympathy that she gets. It's probably the time that she gets from friends. It's the conversation starter. It's who she is. And then I understand that human beings will not risk uncertainty, and they would rather have unhappiness over it. Anybody teach you any of this at PT school? This is the stuff that makes the difference. Now, I assume everywhere I go, and people call me out on it all the time, and I regularly put a podcast that say, you know, it's all about the, you know, kind of emotional intelligence, that type of thing. And everybody, you know, I certainly get a few emails every time, and people will say, well, it has to be something to do with the logic. I'm like, well, I'm assuming that you are. Because if I spoke to you individually, every single one of you would tell me that you are the best PT in your town. Every single person tells me that they solve the challenge or they solve the injuries that the other PTs in town couldn't. People come to me, you know, when nobody else can fix them. If I hear that once, I hear it 20 times a day. And I'm like, there's a guy around the corner saying the exact same thing about you. The key is when, when they find me, when they find me. So the logic takes care of itself. I'm not here to say that it's not important, but when you're growing and scaling a business, it will not be the thing that people choose you for. It's the understanding of all of these things. The understanding that patients have labels that they give themselves, and when they give themselves a label, they limit their options. Now you can sit there and go, well, screw you. If you want to stay over there and be painful, or you want to stay over there and miss out on all of these things, that's good. I've got other things to do. And a lot of people do, because it's hard work. I looked at it and thought, there's more people with labels and limitations than they are who are keen right now to say yes to me. So I can limit my choices and chances of success as a business owner, or I can build a business from there. Nobody's being taught this in school. Everybody's coming out, and you're thinking that these patients are just arriving at your practice from a doctor referral, ready and rabid and good to go. When copay was $5, maybe. When it was 10, still. Given that human beings make impulse decisions, which are under $100, you don't have many patients anymore who are making impulse decisions. Average cost of PT, what now? In most states, 500 potentially. Even if I'm an in-network provider and I've got $50 copay and I need 10 sessions, I'm spending $500 with you. 
How on earth do you expect me to make that decision? There's not a single thing on planet Earth that you go buy for $500 that you haven't needed thinking time for. Yes or no? So why do we go to work? Why do we build PT businesses? Why do we think that it's okay for us to rush our patients into those types of decisions? It's ludicrous. And as the price goes up and the confusion grains, I was listening to Aaron talk about his deductible and it's $150 but only 45, I'm thinking, Jesus, I've checked out like after eight seconds. Never mind what these patients are checking out at, which will be less than me. So as the confusion increases and the hysteria around healthcare increases, you will have people who are more biased towards the fearful decision that they need to make. So I wanted to start with that um, and hopefully it sets the scene for, for what we're going to talk about today. So ultimately in business, I believe that all of your success comes down um, to the ability for you to communicate what you know. So um, I'll give you an example of, of what I mean. The single biggest problem with communication is that illusion that it actually took place. So a couple of weeks back, I did a conference in uh, Sheelan in Washington, and I spoke in front of, I think it was 150 plus business owners. And as I started the talk, a, a gentleman at the back, he shouted, um, can you speak up? I said, do you want me to speak up or do you want me to speak more clearly? He said, I want you to speak more clearly. I said, good, why didn't you ask that? Because if I speak up, you will just hear a louder version of the mumbled, of the mumbled sentences that you're currently hearing. But if you want me to speak more clearly, I will open my mouth and I will speak a little more slowly. Two completely different things. Now that gentleman was a veteran PT. Okay, I'm not gonna say his age, but he was a older gentleman, should we say. If I had to challenge that guy on his communication skills or even had a conversation with him pre that event, he would be adamant to me that he does not have a problem with communication. And yet that same guy was talking to me in a way that he would not have got the outcome that he was looking for. Make sense? So communication, um, I'll give you another example of, of how when you understand that, you're gonna be able to get better outcomes. So if I, if I keep that in my world, I could have spent five hours, which I did in, in, um, in Washington that day. I could have given the best talk on earth. I could have completely gone in there, smashed it, and give game-changing strategies and tactics to build a business, get more patients through the door, charge higher prices. And I'm walking out the door going, I was amazing, I give everything, you know, people got you know, great value from me. And then all of a sudden the guy at the end says to me, well, I didn't hear any of it. Or I, I didn't understand it. And I can sit there and I can go, well, you know, I did what I needed to do and I said what I needed to say. If I hadn't have understood what he meant, I could have potentially missed out on an opportunity to get clients for you know, my other companies or whatever it is that I'm, that I'm doing. And he could have missed out on the thing that he needed to hear, the reason he was in the room in the first place. So much of, um, much of this is leading to the frustration that you're coming across with clients who don't want to pay, who in your opinion, you told them, you helped them to understand what co-pay is, you helped them to understand what their deductible is. If you change the meaning, you'll change the outcome. Another example that I can give you of, um, of how communication and why it's so important. If 
you're talking about back pain and I'm pitching a prescription of care that says you're going to need to see me 10 times, three times a week, you know, whatever, for the next three weeks, three or four weeks. And you're pitching your prescription of care against back pain and the relief of back pain. And I pitch my prescription of care against the preservation of self-worth and the independence and mobility required to be a caregiver for your wife at home so that she does not have to go into a home and you can continue to be that caregiver for the rest of your life or her life, I don't get issues with copay. I don't get issues with how much is that gonna cost me. I don't get issues with will you give me a super bill. I don't get issues with will you ring the insurance company for me. They don't give a shit. The moment you, sh on a macro level, on a macro level, on a higher, how eight out of 10 people on this earth think, act, and make decisions, you speak like that to people, you don't get pushback. You don't get problems with money. We're all communicating at a level that's leading to this frustration. I didn't really understand what you meant. I didn't really understand what the proposition is. I didn't really understand what actually I am gonna get in exchange for my time and money. Therefore, the pushback that I give you is actually something called dissonance. I didn't clearly understand as in, what's in it for me, you think that you explained it to me. And because you've done it for the last 10 years, every single day, I put it to most people that their communication actually gets worse. You take it for granted. That if you look back at what you were talking about when you first came out of school, and how clearly you were speaking, because it was new to you, and it hadn't felt um, repetitive, five, 10 years in, just check your language. One of the greatest skills that somebody like Tony Robbins has is his ability to go to an event, a conference, speak in front of 12,000 people and pretty much say the exact same thing for 35 years. At no point does his knowledge get um, taken for granted by him because he hears the same thing in Singapore. He'll hear the same thing that he says to the crowd in London. He hears in his brain the same thing that he says in LA. And what we often do as providers, it, because it feels a little boring to us and almost as though everybody's heard this pitch time and time and time again, we almost take for granted that we understand what that really means. The brain's designed to be efficient, not effective, or not accurate, sorry. So you'll often find shortcuts to explain something to somebody that to you, you took the easy road to get there and it was very simple for you to explain what out of network benefit was or what it meant to that individual and you think you did a job but to them it meant nothing now the problem you'll get with a patient is they'll often go yep i understand it i get it and then they'll walk out the door and have absolutely no clue what the hell went on for all sorts of reasons so communication um another example that i could give you is if you change the um the meaning you change the outcome there was a, uh, a marketing experiment that took place in America where they put a camera on a blind man. They put a camera on a blind man, okay? And the blind man was there. He had his, you know, his kind of bucket to, for people to leave them their, their dollars. And on the sign right next to him, it said, I'm blind, please help. Nobody left him any money. Four hours later, somebody went up to the sign that was next to him and changed it and wrote something else on it. He got left hundreds of dollars in that same day. And all the sign said was, 
It's a beautiful day outside. I won't get to see any of it. So while most PTs are talking about back pain at the external level, the understanding is actually at the internal level, which is the preservation of self-worth, the independence, the mobility, the life without pills, the uh, fear. I understand that you're fearful, Mrs. Smith. Those are the internal problems that we have to start to communicate on. Make sense? So, in, in my humble opinion, but true, true, true experts, they concern themselves with the usability of their knowledge. Not more knowledge for more knowledge's sake. I could recall, and again, I'm going to stay in the business setting, so please, um, there will all, always be scenarios where people will tell me that's not strictly true. In the business sense, which hopefully is what a lot of us are here for today, is to, to kind of grow businesses or to start businesses and to be more successful. Con Ed and CEUs, um, they will become irrelevant completely, like zero. In fact, they will probably hinder you more than, um, more than help you at a macro level. Obviously, there will be certain things that you're going to have to learn, but most people in this room today will have all of the skills that they need to grow an insanely successful business in terms of the, the logic. Um, if you just stayed in the lane of the skills that you've got and figured out how to market for people with the problems that those skills solve, you will inherently attract more people to use that one skill. I remember um, a friend of mine, and this kind of sums this up, a friend of mine used to have one shirt, okay? And, uh, so whenever we went out, he would wear the same shirt every single time. And I, I remember saying to him, like, what's the deal with the one shirt? He said, one shirt, but if you notice, I wear it in a different town every weekend. So that is kind of where we've got to be with skills. It's like we don't need an abundance of them. You only need one or two very good ones. Then the game becomes how do we figure out and get more people to actually see the skills? So his, his argument was, yeah, you're coming from a, a poverty mindset of I'm in the same place every week, in the same nightclub, in the same club, in the same pub or whatever, and people are going to comment and say, oh, he wears the same shirt every week. His argument was one skill, one shirt, I'll take it to a different place. And I believe that is what has to happen um, for a lot of people in this room. So usability of, the, of knowledge, um, and where I'll go with that is 80-20. So to give you an example, so let's say you are going to go to a Con Ed or a CEU course, right? Good. I'm all in on that. Let's do it. So if you're going to spend Saturday and Sunday of your life learning about McKenzie, or dry needling, good. If you're gonna play the game and you're gonna do it right, you should spend the next eight days figuring out how to communicate what that skill means to an individual so that they can confidently and accurately make a decision on it so that they are willing to give you their time and their money. In my clinic, every Wednesday we shut down for three hours. My PT, uh, my PT team, they are in one of the treatment rooms and they're working away. And if you came in, what you'd see is probably 30 minutes of them practicing a skill. And then you'd see two hours of them explaining that skill to each other, role playing, one playing patient, one playing PT. I follow the 80-20 rule with everything. So while everybody else is overloading on the CEUs and the Con Ed and the more and more skills, 
I'm going, just give me three, but I'll make sure that they get out there. And I'll spend 80% of my time figuring out how to actually market the fact that I can help somebody now because of the dry needling skill that I've got. I giggle, I watch Facebook and Twitter all day and I see all of the posts and all of the ego stuff and I've just qualified, I'm like, good. You have no idea how many times I'm desperate to go, now figure out how to fucking use it. Like, now figure out how to get somebody into your practice because it will not come by just going, I now know how to do dry needling. It's do you understand the benefits as somebody sees it? Not how you see it in your educated, you know, beautiful little world that, that we live in, in in logic, which is a nice, safe place to be. If you ever, um, business owners in here, if you ever want to know why, when you take stuff back to staff on Monday, which a lot of you will, and you ask them to start doing all of this, ask them questions, get emotional, be comfortable, you know, be human to human, be the thing that like you actually want and admire and love about places that you've been. The reason that they won't do it, PTs are the worst for it, is because it takes them into a place that they are very vulnerable. You let me stay over here with logic, I'm comfortable here. I've got a certificate on the wall that tells me I'm bloody good at this. Somebody somewhere gave me a cap and a gown, I've still got the picture on Facebook that said I'm good at this. And if I stay there, I'm comfortable. You take me over here and start to ask me to be a human, I can do that on a weekend, I can do that in a coffee shop, and I can do that you know, when I need it, but you ask me to be that, and I'm pretty vulnerable now. So that's one of the reasons that we get pushback. So the 80-20 rule, another example of it, of how I live, all right, and I'm gonna give you a, um, a little takeaway on it. If I write a blog post, or I do a video, so if you ever see my videos or my podcasts or, or whatever, and this is for something for you to understand, let's, let's say you write a blog, okay? How many people in here wrote a blog? All right, good. How many people in here have paid for that blog to be seen? Total fucking waste of time doing it. On the most part, right? So the 80-20 rule would be this. Whatever your time is worth, so let's say you value your time at whatever you charge right now, $200 for argument's sake. If you've spent an hour writing a blog post, you should spend $800 at least on that ad being seen or that blog being seen. Otherwise, don't do it. This is the mindset. If you want to get across to this side of the whatever in business, this is how it is. This is how I think. This is how I build a business. More importantly, this is how I make sure that my time is effective. So why do we keep writing more and more blog posts? Why do we keep writing more and more emails? Why do we keep going on more and more Con Ed courses? Why do we keep going on more and more CEUs? Well, has anything changed in the last three years since you've took uh, nine courses that you flew around the US for to get your Con Ed stays? Other than you have to keep it up for you know, legal reasons. But did business change like 100%, 200%, 300%, 400%? For most people it doesn't because they're not adopting this type of thinking. I've got two clients who I could give you their names, Jake Burnham from, from Naples and Carrie Jose Grove from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And I asked them both. Um, well, in fact, Jake I was with last weekend and he said, um, he said, you've ruined my career. And I said, why? And he said, um, because before you, I wanted to be the best PT in America. I was like, you and everybody else. And he said, I spent five years going to every single course, every single class, everything, 
every Con Ed, every online thing that he could take to learn how to do knee treatment better or whatever. And nothing changed in his business. He took one class with me, one class, where I completely changed his mindset on how all of this stuff works, how he should be changing his price model from 120 to 25, how he should be getting clients because he's speaking to people um, in the old model without factoring in their fear, their skepticism, their nervousness, taking into consideration that if he's a cash payer and he wants to get people to come to see him, he hasn't got the doctor's safety underneath him for people to say yes and go ahead with 10 sessions. So when he started to change, um, his business now is at 195 a session, 40 visits a week, and he's just upgraded to a four times as big a space, hiring his first secretary, looking for a second PT, etc. And he said, in that time frame since taking your accelerator class, I've never been on a single CEU course, never been on a single Con Ed, nothing. Now, I'm not here to bash those things, I'm just here to tell you that if you wanna be successful in business, it will not come from only and exclusively about the logic. If you are going for logic, you have to apply this. If you're spending two days learning about dry needling, promise me you will spend eight learning how to communicate it and actually market it. Otherwise, it was a waste of time. Carrie was another one from, from uh, New Hampshire. In a mastermind room like this, I said, uh, you know, who, who's had an amazing quarter? And she said, me, and business is this, and she's now at $200 a session, yada, yada. I said, oh, um, you know, have you been on any Con Ed CEU type stuff? Nope, I'm done with that. She said, I'm done. So Jake went from being wanting to be the, uh, the best ever you know, manual PT to now he could not think of anything worse than doing PT. He just wants to run a business. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. All I'm trying to do is help get into your mindset that if you want to do that, this is the type of thinking that, that has to go on. To be successful, it will always come down to your ability to communicate better. Did they hear it in a way that they could understand it? And as I always like to say, actually take action. Because there is a difference between somebody hearing it, somebody listening, and somebody actually taking action on what you have told them. So the skill is communication. And that could be written, that could be verbal. Um, and as you dig into um, to communication, when you start to think about value, so Aaron touched on it briefly, um, everybody's obsessed right now with value, show them the value, show them the value. The PT profession from a higher level are pushing down and everybody's saying, hey, you've got to show them the value if you want their money. I'm out, good, I agree. What the hell is value? What's value? It's a concept. And Aaron's right, it's their perception. So I could have all the skills in the world, but if they don't perceive that that skill can take them to the place that they need to go, which is the preservation of self-worth, not back pain, the uh, ability to be a caregiver for a wife, the ability to play golf and get on the 19th hole twice a week or whatever it will be. If they don't perceive that, there's no value. The value's not on the back end. And again, people, the kind of academics won't wanna hear this. The value is not in more time in the treatment room. The value is, in, is not in more skills. The value is up top. The value is on the front end. And most of the people in here, as business moves on, you will be rewarded for the time that you give up front, not for the time that you give out the back. The most successful businesses are built outside to in. 
I can guarantee uh, from businesses that I've seen and started working with, 99.9% are built into out with no consideration whatsoever of secretaries, experience, time, models don't work. I'll say, hey, well, you've got to start asking you know, three or four questions and get on the phone for 15 minutes. They're like, well, we haven't got time. I'm like, well, you're going to have to change your model. It's, it's inevitable. Can I just ask what's happening to your prices going down? Can I just ha ask what's happening to the number of the patients that you've got going down? How long has this been going on for? Five years. What, you think just miraculously tomorrow it's going to change? It's gone. Time is the currency. So time on the front end is your value. So when people say to me, um, how do I show value? I'm like, okay, do you know what value actually is? It's a concept. It's their perception. And how about we do this wonderful thing? This really, really, really simple thing. That instead of us all sat here going, this is my perception of value, and this is what I think value is, value's this, value's the other, why don't we just ask the patient? Because in 2017, questions are the answers. And if I ask the patient this wonderful question that goes something like, if I could solve this problem for you in the next two or three weeks, what value would it bring to your life? I'm getting their understanding of what value is to them in exchange for the time and money that they need to commit. Make sense? So, whoops. So let's move on to this. Why do so many businesses fail at, at marketing? Most obsess over the technology. Everywhere I go, people want to talk platforms. They want to talk social media. They want to talk Facebook. They want to talk Instagram. Every question starts with Facebook or Google or YouTube or newspaper ads or whatever. And I immediately bring it back to who's the person. Because once you understand them at a level better than your competition, again, follow the 80-20 rule. If you understand them better and you get their internal goals and you understand what moves them, what drives them, you do not have to worry about the platform. I can take the same headline, I can take the same video, I can take the same tweet or whatever, and I can just put it into different formats, and I do, by the way. When you guys read my emails, it's a blog. And when you see the tweets, it's just a phrase or a sentence that's come out of a blog and gone onto Twitter or on Facebook or whatever it will be. So the obsession over the platform, again, is back to the, it's almost like, if I stay over here and I obsess over this thing, it means I can hide away or shy away from the thing that I actually need to face up to, which is understanding how humans make decisions, which is understanding what words go in order to make a change in an individual. The problem for most is when you see it happening to you, it feels so real, it feels so normal, and it feels as though nothing actually happened. So your PTs will give you pushback about all of this being too salesy. They'll come in raving about a company that they did business with that weekend who actually did it to them. Because it was so good and it was so real, they never ever considered for one second that they were part of a sales process. But when you start to break down the process and you come in and you start to say, hey, we need you to do this, they'll give you the pushback. So again, um, the obsession over social or Twitter and I understand it's you know trendy and exciting and all that type of stuff the obsession will always go back to who is this person and when people tell me so I have a lot of uh, I have a company that does digital marketing for physio clinics 
and my competition or people who've worked with competitors in the past will say to me, I worked with this company or you know, this company said that they do digital marketing or that they do Twitter or that they do Facebook. I'm like, good. I use Facebook to make a change in an individual. It's a completely different way of looking at it. So while everybody's thinking about it, I'm still thinking about the person. And what words in the right order will make a change to the individual when they show up at my practice? It takes empathy to really make marketing work. There is a huge difference between compassion and empathy. Compassion is, I'm sorry to hear about your back pain, Mrs. Smith. Empathy is, I'm sorry to hear about your back pain because I understand that right now it's getting in the way of you being able to care for your wife. We're one step across. In the healthcare practice, and I mean this respectfully with all these eyeballs staring back at me, we think we're good at empathy. We're not. We're dreadful at empathy. It's a learned skill. And unless you've took the time to learn it, you, do, you will not deploy empathy. You deploy compassion. The healthcare practice is in, uh, across the world. I don't doubt that anybody, any single person in healthcare is incredible at compassion. But empathy is a completely different skill. And it's something that you have to take the time to learn. And once you really understand it, your communication goes into a completely another level, both in terms of the written and the verbal. Double viewing. Um, so I was on, like I said, I was in London a few weeks ago. I got the subway, so it would be like the same, exactly the same in New York. You have um, people having conversations you know, with the next person. Not that a lot of that goes on on subways, but... You, you, know, you could have a friend or two friends sat next to each other having a conversation, and at the same time, somebody's skimming through Facebook. And you look at your analytics on your website, and you think, wow, we got 5,000 views to the blog. Good, for like half a second. Give me a newspaper ad any day of the week, it gets me six eyeballs, but gets read for five minutes. So as the world wants to take you to digital and take you into places that it wants to take you, it's often that it's not always the right place to go. And these are the things that you've got to factor in. Double viewing. Their attention is scattered. Scattered. So when you're giving your prescription, right, 20 years ago, 20 years ago when you give a prescription of care, there's half a chance that they actually had some of it and interpreted it. These days? When was the last time you focused on anything how many people have checked their phone in the last 40 minutes since I've been speaking? Half the fucking room. Half the room. You, you've, let's do this, right? You've, you've flew thousands of miles to come and learn how to run a business, right? You've gone through, I've seen all that on Facebook, it was hilarious, turbulent, worst flights ever and all the stuff that was going on on Thursday or whatever it was, Wednesday. Dramatic experiences. Four or five hundred dollars a ticket, however many dollars for a flight, thousand probably for this place to learn how to be more successful in business, and you don't even give us your attention. And you think that your patients are miraculously just going to give you theirs. Could we get any more hypocritical? They should listen to us all of a sudden because of a white coat or a D before our names or whatever. It's not going to happen. Pe people's behavior is consistent 88% of the time. It doesn't matter what environment you put them in. So as you've got people in a room, 
or you're trying to put your Facebook ads up and you just think that wonderful ad that you've written that you're guarantee will resonate and will connect and it's just the best thing Facebook's ever seen and all of a sudden three weeks later nobody's clicked on it or everybody has but nobody did anything. It's because of what 50% of the people in this room have done today. Fundamental principles of business and marketing and human behavior. So while, like I keep saying, everybody's obsessing over Facebook, I'm obsessing over you. Like my goal is to know you better than you. And to a certain extent, I, I genuinely believe that I do because I, that's all I do. Study you, I watch you, see what you do, and I see the comments, I'm reading the books, just understanding it to a better level. So it means my technical kind of, um, or a lack of competence at a technical level in things like Facebook, I don't need it. I have a team of people who can do that type of thing, but I have to understand it from a behavior point of view that the reason we need to put a blog up fast is because of double viewing. And the reason that we need to put remarketing on the blog is because of double viewing. Because I know that when I've wrote a headline that says, have you got back pain? And are you worried about missing out on golf this weekend? I've kind of got your attention. But I also know that probably five other platforms have as well. So if I can just get a sneak, like a little, a little click, a little give me a sign with remarketing and pixels, it means I can follow up and I can continue to show it to you or another ad to you when I get you in a better place. Hopefully that night on the couch while you're still double viewing, while you're talking to your girlfriend or you're talking to your wife or husband or whoever and you're reading my blog post or my video for the seventh time in the last seven days. But the first time that you saw it, you only watched 15 seconds. And then because you saw it again, you watched it a bit further until I enticed you all the way to the end of the video and you went, hey, this guy's actually not too bad. This guy's got something to say. Because that's what you do. And that's what patients do. There was a client of mine, um, a guy called David Brewer, and he doesn't mind telling me the story. He's from Florida. We, um, we met once in uh, Epcot Center. I was in Florida last November with the kids and I said, oh, come on down, let's have a day, we'll go to Epcot. So as we were having a beer in, in London, in Epcot, um, I said, so how did you find me? How did you get my, how did you, how did you hear about me? He said, oh, I, I watched a video online, I think. I was like, tell me more. He said, well, I saw the video um, and I didn't really know what you were doing or what you were saying, um, but I just pressed this video and I watched it for a few seconds. And I said, then what did you do? He said, nothing. I said, like, well, what happened next? He said, well, I saw another video a few days later. I said, did you watch that one? Nope. But then what happened? Well, I saw another one and you were talking about customer service and it's something that I believe to be passionate or you know, I, I believe in passionately that the healthcare uh, really needs to start paying attention to. So I watched it and anyway, I loved it. I said, so what did you do next? He said, well, I went to your YouTube channel. I said, well, then what did you do? He said, well, Never spoke to my wife for a week because I pretty much watched every single video on your YouTube channel. I said, then what did you do? He said, well, I saw that you had this thing to, to join your email list. I was like, good, did you, did you join it? Yeah, he said, I joined it. I said, did you open my emails? Nope. So what happened next? Well, you sent me another email. I said, did you open it? Nope. What about the next one? He said, well, there was something in the subject line that caught my attention, so I opened it. And I read it, and anyway, here I am, like on the phone to you, having just given you three grand. It does not get any more scientific than that. That's my, that, I've just described you, my marketing plan. But I know that that's what goes on. And because it's me, and because it's my words, and because it's my video, I don't care. I've got no emotional attachment to whether you watch the video or you don't. Because I know, because of all of this stuff, 
that it will take me 10 goes. And it doesn't matter whether I'm on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. If I'm in enough places, and eventually I say the right thing that connects with you, the customer service was his. In my world at Paul Goff Physio Rooms, it would be about independence and mobility because that's the person that I want to help with, and that would be the equivalent. Sort by price. This is wonderful. This is a great story. So a lady said to me uh, from New Mexico once, Paul, we're having a problem because everybody around here um, wants to price shop. I said, good. Do you not think that they want to price shop in my town? Do you not think that they want to price shop in Toronto? Do you not think that they want to price shop in LA? Do you not think that they price shop in London? I've borderline banned now in my group somebody coming on or speaking to me with a phrase that starts with in. It's killing you all. In DC last week, here's a story. So I was in DC, well, Virginia, Alexandria. The lady started with, in my town, in my town, which sets the scene for an excuse as to why she's been you know, struggling in business for the last five years. She said, nobody wants to pay more than $135 for, for, for cash PT. I was like, oh, okay, good. Tell me more. She said, yep, you know, they won't do it. Tried everything, will not happen, cannot get people to pay more than $135. Meanwhile, two seats to the left, there was a lady beaming with delight. I said, what are you laughing at? She said, well, um, I'm actually on the same street as that clinic, P Pennsylvania Avenue, you know, just around the corner from the White House. And uh, I've been charging 225 for the last year. So the eyes of the lady who is adamant that nobody will pay more than 135 in DC now roll to anger, right? And I can see the math in her head going, well, if this has been going on for five years, I probably could have paid the mortgage off by now. So she goes, okay, well, if you're doing 225, I'm going to 195. And Trupti, this is a true story, if you know Trupti, Trupti goes, okay, well, if you're going to 195, I'm going to 2.45, right? Jake from Naples chirps up at this point. He goes, well, screw you. If you are all going to that level, I'm going to 2.25 as well. And this is what was going on in the room, right? So as you, and again, all back to the beginning of the talk, this fear, right? It's the fear that like, this is just not going to work for me. And the fear is overcome when you do get in a room with people like this and you do start to see that other people have been through what you've been through. So back to this, this sort by price, okay? It's in my town, everybody wants to shop around. You can thank this wonderful thing called Amazon for shopping around, okay? So I want a new TV, what do I do? I go to Amazon, I type, 50-inch LCD, what happens next? How many options do I get? Hundreds. Critically, what's my behavior for the next 10 seconds, 60 seconds, 60 minutes, whatever? Do I shop in and shop out? Yep, I'm shopping around. What baffles me is why you think that the next morning at nine o'clock, they're miraculously, in the absence of anything else, not gonna do that to you. It's a habit, it's a behavior pattern that doesn't, and I cannot say this enough, 
It does not change, it does not flip, it does not switch a light on and off just because it's back pain and it's your clinic and we just want them to. So sort by price is here and you will be killed by it. If you have price on your website, get it off. Like if there's one thing that you should do right now, if you have price on your website, send a message to your web designer and tell him to take it off right now because you are at the mercy of Amazon. How do you choose something on Amazon? The cheapest, probably, eight out of 10 times, yeah? So if you have price on your website, you've just put yourself into that category. And in the absence of anything else, people will always default to the cheapest option. That anything else is the thing should be keeping you awake at night, asking yourself the question, what is it? What do I have to do? What do I have to do to separate myself from the other providers in my town? There is a complete lack of understanding of who their patient is. How little they know about what we do and how quick or slow they are to make decisions. Primarily because of the way that the PT profession was built, which was from doctor referrals. We've assumed that all of these patients are created equal. Welcome to the big bad world of direct marketing, of healthcare consumerism, of people taking choice, everybody and everybody wants to say in their decision-making process. And yet when we give them the choice, do they want it? British government announced a few years back something called, um, it was literally patient choice, patient-centered choice or whatever it was, right? And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, you know, these guys have come up with something else. Let's see what they do to screw this one up. So uh, patient choice came along and it basically meant that if you go to a doctor with back pain, okay, traditionally he'd have gone, uh, here's a referral, go see the local NHS physio, yada, yada, right? Now, no, it's not as simple as that anymore. It's here's 10 names, here's 10 addresses, choose your own. What is the chances of me getting that decision right? I'm a lay guy or girl on the street. I know nothing. What's the chances of me getting that decision right? Of choosing the right provider. If you truly understand the patient, this is what goes on. He goes home or she goes home, let's say to he, what did the doctor say? Well, he said, I've got back pain. What do you need to do? You need to get physical therapy. All right, good. Did he tell you where? Well, he gave me a list of 10. I don't know which one to pick. Do you love? Which one should we pick? We would like to assume in our logic that they'll ring all 10. But reality is, ah, screw it. I'll get around to that at another day. I'll call them next week when I've got time. There's a wonderful phrase, and this sums up physical therapy. What, get do, what gets done any time gets done no time. We are a generalist. As a macro level, we can be done any time. You want to know why people put off physical therapy to go and get their car done? Because legally, they probably have to. It's not an any time if I need an MOT or a service in Britain, I'm only taking my car in. Usually in my world, it's like I've got about six hours to get the bloody thing stamped. So because I have to get it done, it's getting done. But with physical therapy, we're at any time product. And what gets done or what can get done anytime gets done no time. How many people in here decided to come and then thought, I must book those flights? I must book those flights to get the cheapest seat. And then three months goes by and it's like, shit. I knew I should have booked that back in January. 
everyone in the room, me included, luckily Natalie does all of that stuff for us, but we still fight like cat and dog over it. Have you booked those flights yet? No, we'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow comes and goes, and now it's a month on, and the flight is not $1,000 anymore, it's $1,500. Ever experienced that? PT's the same, ain't no different. If it can get done anytime, and usually the ease of access to it, the worse we are at actually making the decision on it. You wanna know why that's relevant? Because if I can book a flight anytime, anywhere, I can book a PT anytime, anywhere. I can search for one on my iPhone and I'll bring up 15 different PTs in this area within a 10, five, 10 mile radius. An abundance of choice doesn't always mean for a successful outcome. If anything, it's confusion. It's the fear of getting the decision wrong. And as patients get to a certain age, particularly, they've made so many wrong decisions they become risk averse. They spend more time figuring out why something shouldn't be done and is more likely to go wrong than it is to actually go right for them. So factor all of that in. They are very slow to make decisions over $100. I said it before, an impulse decision is under $100. If you take me over $100, I need time. I'm putting time in the way. Harry comes up to me uh, in the store. We're in the super fast or whatever it's called down the road. And he says, Dad, Dad, can I have the gun? So he sees the toy super soaker gun thing, right? My first reaction is what? I'm looking for this little label somewhere, which is the price. Yes or no? So if I see it, say $27.99, okay, we, we'll go with that, son. If it's 12799 because he wants the big super soaker thing, it's ask grandma. <laughs> yes or no? It's a birthday. It's a treat. It's if you do all your homework, it, whatever age these kids are, you don't know this is going on. And this is what I mean. When you step outside of all of these things and you start to see what you're doing, this is what your patients will do. And it's not because they're cheap, it's not because they're tight, it's not because they do not value their health, it's because this is how fundamentally we are hardwired to make decisions. If you wanna to go to TGI Fridays, if me and Natalie wanna to go to TGI Fridays this weekend, it might cost me $50, let's go. If she says, hey, let's go to Morton's or Fleming's, let's pencil that one in for a birthday. Because it's two or $300, potentially. So whenever anything rises over and above, and this is what you to, to need to understand, anything over $100, we put time in the way by default. So the winners in business will go to the people who factor in time. And you will be rewarded, and this is the thing that I always say, when I, when I say to businesses, you need to give them 20 minutes on the phone, or you need to build a marketing system that allows three or four phone calls over a six week period before they say yes, they say, well, you know, we haven't got that in our business model, or we haven't got that in our budget, or we haven't got that in our staffing capability because we can't afford it. I'm like, yeah, because your model's screwed, completely screwed, massively royally against you. You have no chance of victory at all. It defies all logic, which is why the cash-based or Jerry's out-of-network model allows you to start to dictate and set prices based upon giving value. You will always be rewarded for the value that you give and ultimately for the time that you give. So if I give 20 minutes on the front end, that allows me to charge 150% more than my competition around the corner who haven't figured this out yet. So when he's bemoaning and criticizing me to all his patients and saying, how can that guy around there charge twice, three times as much as I am? He hasn't figured out that the variable is not the logic, is not the skill. 
It's the time on the front end. It's the time in the follow-up system. It's time in understanding that people need this to actually make a confident decision. And when I get them as patients, they are all in. All in. Every one of you does it in every walk of life. The longer that you take to make the decision, once you've made the decision, you want, let's go back to Amazon. So you spend a year thinking about getting a new TV, right? You make the decision to buy the TV, and it's like, I just want this tomorrow. And you get quite ratty at the fact that the TV is 12 hours or 24 hours later than it should have been delivered, but you took 24 months to figure out how to buy one. Yes or no? That's what we do. That's what they do, and that's what they will always do. So the time that they take in six months to make a decision, once they're in, they're in. And as a result, they often pay higher prices and they stay for longer. There is only three ways to grow a business. Bring more people to your business, raise the rates, and get them buying more often. If you can't do the last two, it's a complete waste of time, completely inefficient, the first one. And everywhere I go, everybody's obsessed with more patience, more patience. For most people in this room, it'll be the latter the final two. And if you figure out how to do that, which is all of this stuff, you will be more profitable, insanely more profitable, for less hassle. So, um, last couple. Lack of understanding of the importance um, of the order in which people move along in the decision-making process. Give you a quick example. So everywhere I go, again, on social media and Facebook right now, every physical therapist wants to put up 10 exercises for iliosaurus or 10 exercises for patellar tendonitis, or 10 exercises for perineal tendon problems. I'm like, good. You've just given me the how. Failing to understand that human beings need to understand the why, then the what, and then I buy the how. It's lazy. It's lazy as shit. It's the worst and most ridiculous thing that I'm seeing anybody doing on social media right now is give away their exercises. If that's your pull, you've missed the why. I don't buy anything until I understand why I need it. So if you want to put out exercises for uh, sciatica, you're assuming that I understand that I have sciatica. On a macro level, again, this is the fault of the profession. On a macro level, the people that come to you who are, yeah, I need help for sciatica. For everyone who knows they have it, there's a hundred who has a problem that gets worse when they stand up. There is a hundred who have a problem that they can't figure out why they've got this horrible burning pain in the back of their calf on tum uh, numbness and pins and needles in their toe. And can't for the life of them think why the doctor said they, that they've got a back problem when they've got pain in their leg. You do a Google, go on Google Analytics and work out the number of people searching for physical therapy for every one you'll have 100 searching for what do I do to ease back pain, symptoms of back pain. And yet everybody's website is a physical therapy website. The best one, it's always the best. I'm good, you've just narrowed down the number of people who potentially will do business with you by about 100%. Let me know how that business goes. Again, a complete lack of understanding. We're having to reverse the model because the doctor referrals, they know of an in-network business. They know um, that they've got sciatica. The biggest area of opportunity for businesses in here is to tap into the other 99 who know that they have a problem in their foot but can't figure out why. And if you can help those people, Jerry is right. They're the ones who don't ring up and say, 
what's the price? What's the inner? It's like, you identified with me. You get me. You seem to tell a story better than anybody else. I'll buy from you if you educate me around the why. So you put out on a Facebook um, or a social media post, it would be, hey, here's why you wake up on a morning in the fetal position and you think, I wonder if my back pain's gone. And then when you stand up or you get yourself very slowly and tentatively to the edge of the bed and you go from a sit to stand position, this horrible pain in your leg returns. It shoots all the way down your hamstring into your calf and causes that burning, tingling, numbness sensation into your toes. Does that sound like you? Good. If that's you, then here's what you need to do. And then once I've given you the what, it also includes access to me, the how. And it tells you how to get access to the how. I just described a conversation that is going through somebody's head with sciatica. Without using the word sciatica and without using the words physical therapy. And I will charge five times as much as you will for putting out the exercises for sciatica. And my clinic would beat you all day. All day. Because that person is able to make a very confident decision on me and he's basing the whole thing on one thing. This person gets me. Probably better than he gets himself. And if I'm able to tell that story on social media, I'm getting his business. I don't get call pay questions. I don't get money questions. I don't get, on a micro level, one out of 10, yes. But again, everybody's building their business for the one question. Well, there was a scenario in 2003 where this patient asked me this. Or, well, there was a scenario once where we did get a patient from the exercises that we put out in 2013. Good, what's gone on since? Not much. So let's not build our businesses for that. Last one. Healthcare practitioner, this is great. Um, you've spent five years being logical as hell. Your ass depends upon being logical. Your ass depends upon your ability to look at something, assess the danger of it, critically be aware of everything to do with their injury. This creature, this thing in front of you, this problem, this symptom, this diagnosis, they are hounding you and turning you into a logical human being. The problem is the creature in front of you is emotional and irrational as hell. Best book I've ever read, Predictably Irrational by Dan Airely. If you have a problem with patients pushing back against you or staff pushing back against you, you need to read Predictably Irrational. It sums this up. The emotional connection is the default of the world. And you're, you've spent five years and then however many weekends on Con Ed courses thinking again that it's all about the logic. It, it's not, it's not going to help you if you stay in that lane. So there are only a few situations after that. It's about trust, status, and ease of access and connection. Ultimately sums up, I believe, how my business has been so successful. So four questions I'm going to leave you with. How can you use your marketing to build trust? How can you prove authority and status beyond your qualifications? How easy can you make it for them to make the first move? So dating sites, again, they're changing the behavior of humans. Dating sites now, I can get in touch with somebody through a message, through an email, through whatever. It starts the conversation. The reason guys ask girls in a bar, do you come here often, is not because they want to know, do you come here often, it's because I'm nervous as hell and I cannot think of anything to ask you. I really want to know if you're single and I really want to know what you really love to do and I really want to know what makes you tick and what wine you like and what chocolates and you know, if you do actually have a boyfriend. 
but I'm a little bit shy about asking that one. So what I'll do is I'll just start the process with the do you come here often question. Same as the insurance question. Do you take my insurance? What I really want to know is, can you help somebody like me, age 55, with a stiff lower back who wants to look after my grandkids this weekend, who hasn't been able to do it for the last eight weeks, and now I'm petrified to hell about surgery and spending the rest of my life on pills? I really should have asked that question, but I'm not very good at it. So it's your job to understand all of that as you build your business. Last one, how can you make an emotional connection through your ads? You will not make an emotional connection by talking exclusively about PT or back pain. In fact, you will turn more people off. It has to be about their internal core problem. Your goal is to figure out what their internal core problem actually is. And that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Paul Gloss Audio Experience. Before you go, we've got a really exciting chance for you to win two free tickets valued at over $2,000 to attend one of Paul's big events happening this year. They're happening in New Orleans, Los Angeles and Orlando and there are two ways that you can enter. Number one, go ahead and leave this podcast a review on whichever platform you're listening on right now with what you like most about the Paul Goff Audio experience. And number two, if you've bought one of Paul's best-selling books on hiring, marketing, and selling, head on over to Amazon and leave a review. You can also grab a copy at paulgoffbooks.com and then head on over to Amazon and leave your review. Once you've left your reviews, send a screenshot over to paul at paulgoff.com or our producer Jake, jake at paulgoff.com to make sure that we can count it. Remember, each review is an entry for you to experience what it's like to be a part of Planet Pool and get access to some of the world's most smartest clinic owners. If you want to set yourself up for the best chance of success this year, then go ahead and enter right away. Good luck, and we cannot wait to see you there.